<laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. I would like to call to order the Personnel and Public Employees Committee meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please establish the roll call for a quorum? Thank you. Councilmember Lalowy? Here. Councilmember Valenzuela? Here. Councilmember Maple? Here. And Chair Kaplan? Here we have a quorum for members of the public and chambers. If you we wish to speak on an agenda item and are not an applicant, please fill out a speaker slip, which can be found at the back of the room. For those who are joining us online and wish to speak, please use the raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms public comment speaking period for your desired item. Online, um, you just have to click raise your hand at the bottom of your screen. If you're on your mobile phone, um, you can raise your hand by tapping raise hand option. And if you're on your telephone, you can raise your hand by dialing star nine. Then to mute unmute is star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. Everybody will have two minutes to speak once you are called. And soon we will now start with um, today's agenda, which is our land acknowledgement. So um, Council Member Lolowi, would you mind doing that for us? Please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal land. To the original people of this land, the Nisan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plain, Miwok, Padwin Winton peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in an active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contribution, and lives. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you for that, council member. Now moving on to our agenda items on consent. We only have one item. Do I have a motion? So moved. Moved by Maple, second by Lolowe. All in favor, aye. Aye. Aye, approved. Now moving on to our uh, discussion items. We've got a packed agenda today, so I will try and move us along and I will turn it over to um, our staff member, Jacob. Thank you, Chair and Council Members. Um, my name is Jacob Redberg. I'm with the Audit Office of the City Clerk. I'm here today to present the review of applicants for the Ethel McLeod Hart Trust Fund Advisory Committee. Uh, the seats needing recommendations are seats C, E, and F. Uh, the requirements for seats C, E, and F are identical and as follows. Uh, members shall represent the population at large and reflect the socioeconomic makeup of the older adult population who is at least 60 years of age. Uh, we have a total of five applicants for review today. Um, each applicant will be given two minutes to um, answer the following questions. Uh, why are you interested in serving on this border commission? Uh, as well as briefly describe the knowledge and experience that qualifies you for this position. Uh, those questions will be up on the projectors. Um, 
and each applicant was notified of the questions prior to this meeting. Uh, so our first applicant is Griff Field. Griff, are you here? It appears Griff Field is absent. Okay. Um, our next applicant is Xavier Martinez. Welcome, Mr. Martinez. I currently am on the uh, committee. Um, my background is, um, let me go back. I want to continue serving because I'm obviously a senior and I think this is a very important. We did a lot of good things during what we could meet, even though we couldn't meet during COVID. And I would like to continue with that. Um, my background is I have 50 plus years in tax and finance. Uh, I've served on the uh, Physician's Assistant Board for the State of California, appointed by Governor Brown. I currently am a member of the BFW Post 6-7. I'm the treasurer for that organization. I'm a Vietnam vet. I am also on the HOA at my community, on the Board of Directors, but that term will end in June. Uh, previously to that, I moved here from San Marcos, California, which is south. Uh, there, I was on the city commission for uh, the city of San Marcos for the finance committee, the uh, student neighborhood housing for Cal State San Marcos. On uh, Cal State San Marcos, I was on the president's committee for 14 years. And uh, so I think I have a good background in finance, how to run organizations, and how to volunteer. I've been volunteering for years, and I think it's good to volunteer for the community. Thank you, Mr. Martinez, for coming here and reapplying. Our, our next applicant is Richard Oldham. Hi, Mr. Oldham. Come on up. Good afternoon. Before my two minutes starts, I'd like to point out that your Pledge of Allegiance has a typographical error in it. Um, one nation, you have it there as one nation, comma, under God. The way the Pledge of Allegiance reads is one nation under God. There is no pause there. There is no comma there. And with that, I'll begin. It should be in everyone's interest to help or serve the community in some way. I have done so since I was 18 and began no donating blood at the Sacramento Blood Foundation, the old water tower near Alhambra in 1976 and continue to this day. And I'm one of the top 10 donors in Sacramento ever. My family is a pioneer family of Sacramento, settled originally by someone who came over from the Azores on a whaling ship and came here in the early 1850s. My grandfather did plastering on buildings within three blocks of where you sit, the cathedral, St. Elizabeth's Church, and uh, numerous other buildings in the downtown area. My cousin, Clarence Azevedo, to whom I used to visit in assisted living before his death, was mayor when I was born. My uncle Tom, 
sits where you sit now, Mindy, as the city clerk in the 1970s. As far as I know, no family member uh, has served on a commission or committee for the city since the 1970s. And although committing, uh, participating in community fundraising, um, other than serving court duty throughout my lifetime, it would be personally rewarding to serve Sacramento in another manner. I live in Midtown in Congresswoman's Valenzuela's district, and I own a triplex there. I grew up in River Park in Glenbrook, attended local schools, Hiram Johnson, Sac State. I was the editor-in-chief for two years of our newspaper and on special events committee at Sac State. We opened Aladdin Travel in 1980, and we ran it for 28 years. Uh, with right, uh, My office was between 8th and 9th on the K Street Mall. I attended bars at Arco Arena and the River Cats for, uh, for 10 years and the River Cats for two. Um, will you make your final comment, please? It? Yes, will you make your final comment? Um, yeah, I've run a business for 28 years. I've, uh, let's see. Thank you for your comments. That's it, thank you. Yeah. Orner. Hi, Ms. Orner. Hi. <sighs> I'm a little nervous. I've not done this before. We're uh, kind. I promise. <laughs> I, I, I live in Midtown. I have for have my home for the last 23 years, and I love my community. And I want, I've always liked giving back and being part of the community. So that's the reason I'm here. Um, I hope that I'm a fit for this. Uh, back in the day, I owned a, a founder and owner of a relocation company uh, here in town, Destination Services, and um, as such, I was on the Metro Chamber Board of Directors, as well as several other committees, the Small Business Advisory, uh, committees on SACTO, um, oh, so many <laughs> different organizations in town. I'm also an alum of the uh, Leadership Sacramento, and I was president of the Logstar uh, Advisory Committee out at, at McClellan last uh, year that McClellan was around. So have you know, local knowledge. Currently I am um, uh, on the, the uh, Community Giving Committee uh, for Spiritual Life Center and as such we vet uh, nonprofits in the area to see where best to spend our monthly donations. So. Um, I'm active in the committee that way. Also, you know, have participated at Heart Center in some of their programs. So that's basically who I am. I'm here with my heart open, and if I'm fit for the community, I would love to be considered. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much you. for your application and coming. Our final applicants is Amarendra Fadness. Mr. Fand. Good afternoon. <clears throat> Thank you for having me here. I have been on the Ethel McLeod Advisory Board for the past four years, ending up as the chairperson of that committee. <clears throat> and I would like to continue to work for the committee because it gives me great satisfaction uh, to do what 
little projects we are handling in that committee to serve this city, which I love very much. You know, so I would like to continue on this and um, uh, thank you for having me here. Why should I be on the committee? Is I have over 45 years of experience in finance, accounting, projects, and business administration. Um, I worked for, mostly in my career, I worked for multinational Fortune 500 companies. Um, and currently, I'm the on the board of my HOA, the Heritage Park uh, HOA, and I'm their CFO right now. So keeps me pretty busy there. So thank you and glad to be on the Ethel McLeod uh, Advisory Board, if you wish so. Thank you for coming today and applying. Committee members, any questions? Clerk, do we have any public comments? Chair, I have no hands raised to make comment on this item. So we have uh, interviewed the applicants. Um, we could continue till next meeting, or if members feel like they have enough to consider appointments, um, I am open to that. My preference would be to keep um, the current incumbents. I think it's so important to continue. Uh, two of them are currently experienced and have served on the board, and that experience matters. And then we do have one uh, potential open seat uh, for consideration that I am open to suggestions or nominations if the committee so pleases to do so um, today. Um, Chair, I would like Vice to, um, so I'd like to nominate, or I'd like to uh, do a motion for the two current members to be reappointed. Um, I agree with you. I think that, um, I think having longevity is really important. When I think back to my own experience um, serving on a commission here in Sacramento, uh, it was always a, a scary thought when you'd come up for your, your reappointment or your interview and you have the fear of not being reappointed again when you normally have a lot of work that you want to do and accomplish. So I appreciate that and would love to see um, Mr. Martinez and Mr. Mr. Fadness um, reappointed. Um, but I'll just leave my motion there and then leave it open for anyone else who wants to share um, someone else that they would like to see. Any other? Um, so for seat C, it would be incumbent uh, Xavier Martinez, and seat F would be incumbent Amaranda Fandes. Um, for seat E, uh, any? I, I think it's a tough one. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a very, tough, very one. tough one. Um, first of all, I want to thank all of you for being here today. Uh, appreciate you being here in person. I know uh, you took your time. Um, Again, it, it's a it's a very it's a very very tough one. Um, we have extremely qualified applicants. Yes, and um, I would I would nominate Mr. Uh, Richard Lewis Oldman as the third seat. Valenzuela. And this is, um, <laughs> and both of you are in my district too, so this just makes it even harder because <laughs> District 4 um, loves the work that the Heart Trust Fund does. And so I want to thank the incumbents for all of your time. I know it's a lot. Um, and so thank you so much for your service and definitely support um, reappointment. Gosh, both Richard and Pat are so wonderful. Um, you know, I was leaning towards Pat with no offense to Richard at all, but just your business experience and your local connections and especially leadership. Sacramento was a really great program that, you know, I felt 
gave her a little bit of a competitive edge, <laughs> even though both of you would be wonderful additions. So that's where I was, I was leaning, um, but open to the will of the committee here and input broadly. I think we'd be well I'd, so I'd be happy to, since I um, accidentally made a motion instead of uh, doing what I intended to do, <laughs> you can tell I'm new here, um, which is making comments. Why don't I uh, amend my motion to include uh, Ms. Orner? Uh, and so that will be Mr. Martinez, Mr. Fadness, and Mrs. Orner. Um, and Ms. As Orner and CE. And CE, yes. Thank you. Okay, so that's a motion by Councilwoman Valenzuela, second, or motion by Maple, second by Valenzuela. Um, are you okay with that, Mr. Uh, Lolowe? Okay, all in favor? Yes. Aye. Aye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you thank for you coming. Uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much, Mr. Oldham, for your time and volunteering. And if you want to do more for District 4, always welcome more informed folks coming in and helping out like yourself. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. So moving on to uh, discussion item three, which is the Sacramento Ethics Commission recommendation, which is to modernize the City of Sacramento lobbyist registration and reporting code. So um, this is being presented to us at PP&E. It's kind of like their, their work plan to a certain extent. Um, it's been worked on for the past several years. It comes to us as kind of like this is the first step as the work plan from um, the Ethics Commission. And um, the appropriate motion would be um, if there's any questions or concerns, you know, we can state those to staff now, but to move it on to law and ledge for policy consideration and discussion. Um, do I have any comments, questions? Is I just wanted to state for the record that the chair of the Ethics Commission is online if you have questions for her, but what she was not planning on presenting, just wanted to show her support. <laughs> um, do we have, well, anybody who would wish to make public comments? Does she wish to make public comments? Um, I have no hands raised to make public comments. Okay. Um, Councilwoman Valenzuela. Thank you. I just wanted to take a moment to thank the commission and the stakeholders that they work with. I know League of Women Voters and others as well to provide this input. Um, this really is, in my mind, consistency with state law and practices in other cities. And, um, you know, someone who used to be a registered lobbyist for the longest three months of my life um, a year ago, I can tell you that, I mean, this is, this is pretty common practice. Anybody who's lobbying in our community knows this because they probably do it for the state level. So I'm really happy to move the item to law and legislation and um yeah that's Great. my comment. motion to direct staff to forward the recommendation to law and ledge for deliberation by valenzuela second by lolowi um council member maple questions comments yeah just comments um i actually just want to echo the comments that Councilmember valenzuela just made and just say um uh, for me i was a registered lobbyist for i think almost four years and um in that time uh, i had to Regularly, I had to register, I had to pay my fees. I had to submit forms to the state of California every single month that told people um, that in, in a sunshine way that, uh, what I was lobbying on in terms of topics of discussion, what specific bills I was lobbying on, um, how much time I was spending doing that work, and how much money uh, we were receiving from clients to do that work as well. And all of that is really, really good. And that's the way it should be. Um, because you know we we all are all doing really important work here in the city of Sacramento. We're doing important just you know just across the street from us. We there's work being done in the state of uh, in the capital of California, and it's really important that the public understands 
um, not only what work is being done, but who is trying to influence that work, whether it's in a good good way or a bad way. And I always uh, really appreciated my reports being posted because I was really proud of the work that I was doing. Um, and so uh, I think this is a great thing for Sacramento to bring our code up to uh, up to where I think it probably should be. And I'm really glad that uh, the chair of Law and Ledge also sits on this uh, committee um, because I do have a couple of things that I'm hoping that we'll look into or that can maybe be included in the staff report um, as this moves forward. And that's kind of, it does talk about updating the website. I know when the state did that, it was a really big financial undertaking. I don't think it would be such here, but I'm also not in IT. Um, and then kind of the cost of staff time. So I think it'll be really important just to have an understanding of what the cost of these updates will be as we move forward. But I do think it's a really good thing in concept. So. All right, first and a second. All in favor, moving it on to Lawn Ledge? Aye. 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 Unanimous, thank you so much. Now moving on to item four, which is consideration of the Measure U Advisory Committee request to establish three subcommittees. So this is kind of like the process of testing our new rules. Um, you know, they need to come up with a work plan. Um, they had, before we got rid of ad hocs, um, you know, had kind of wanted to go continue the ad hocs. Then we said no more ad hocs. So this is the request to come forward to us for three subcommittees. But I see the chair. And so um, I'd love to have the chair come up and do a presentation. Ms. Dickinson, if you want to come on up and talk to us about Measure U committee's request. Thank you, Chair Kaplan and council members. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, Chair Kaplan uh, described the situation um, pretty much fully and accurately. Um, we had measured you committee had operated since its inception with um, uh, about four ad hoc committees that we had asked to take on certain specific functions at the direction of the committee and to report back to the committee for action. Um, and with the elimination of the ad hocs, the option that we thought was available to us was, was only the establishment of subcommittees. Um, it looks to us that the subcommittee process is pretty cumbersome for both our committee to get the work done that we would like to get done, and frankly for staff and space. Um, and it's not clear to me that we, that the sub, even though the, the, the formal position of the committee is to ask you to endorse the subcommittees, um, I think it w if, if you do endorse the subcommittees, I would want us to come back in six months or so and see how it actually worked on, on the ground. Um, uh, because our work requires us to make um, particularly with respect to budget recommendations, timely budget rec recommendations in a context where we don't control the timing. The timing is the council's timing, um, the, the city manager's timing, and the reality of the fiscal year timing. And um, the ability for us to, uh, for example, right now, we will hear our first presentation on the proposed budget for next year in May. Council will have to have adopted that budget by June 30, and will likely adopt it mid-June. So that gives uh, really gives us one month to understand the budget, um, develop recommendations, and get them to to you, budget and audit, and the council. 
<laughs> it, it, it's a challenge, and so it's, it's how do we honor the Brown Act, how do we honor the promises that the council made about having a citizen uh, advisory committee for measured new revenues, and how do we do it in the context of, of staffing space process realities. Um, but at this point, the option open to us, as we understand it, is the subcommittee process. Perfect. So I'll want to open up discussion. I have some thoughts on this because, um, you know, how we discussed this prior in working on the uh, annual work plan. Also looking at some committees, we need to meet, like, I think Measure U is a perfect example. It could be in May, June, you guys meet two or three times versus, you know, January and February, you might meet once or you might need not meet at all, you know, um, but for like a small thing, knowing that, you know, different commissions and committees have fluctuations on the times of the year. So having that flexibility, you know, because we appointed people to boards and commissions so that they could have a voice. Because that's the most important thing is they have a voice and they can give their opinion to us and they have the ability to do that. Um, and then I really appreciate it because it's balancing how many subcommittees do we create how much time does staff have because of the Brown Act, or are there small or other different ways which I have an idea or two that they could potentially accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, but I would love to hear from my fellow committee members. Valenzuela. Thank you, yeah, and I, I do share the concerns about ad hocs, but recognizing that's um, where we are. Um, I think that when we talked about this prior to crib off of where you just left off chair, you know, we had talked about being a little bit more specific so that when they were requesting something like a subcommittee, it was clear. They're like, yeah, we're going to need to meet two, three times in May, right? Or whatever that is so that we were clear what the expectation was on staff and that could be a part of the conversation here. So the clerk could be like, I don't know if this is going to work. And like, we could have that discussion about how we work out the timing so that when we say approved, it's something that we know we can implement. Um, I also share, um, Chair, your request to maybe get a report back in the next few months as to how the timing goes, because I appreciate the flexibility in here, but if it's happening often where committees and commissions are asking for subcommittee meetings and we're not able to accommodate, I think that would be important for us to know. Um, but in this case with Measure U, I mean, I'm curious, Chair Dickinson, if you know, if, if I mean, could the committee just authorize you to come and talk about subcommittees? Did they talk at all about how frequently they think that the budget committee would need to meet in May? I know it's like that's probably impossible to predict, but. Uh, based on past experience and having served on um, the budget ad hoc um, in past years before I became chair, uh, I would guess the subcommittee would need to meet at least twice. Okay after we got the budget presentation. Okay. Um, and, and that, uh, yeah, <laughs> at least twice. And it, 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 it is gonna be a challenge because we have a meeting in May and we have a meeting in June. And so our, even our June meeting, if we adopt recommendations that come from the subcommittee or uh, um, it takes a while to get that from us when we meet in mid-June to the council, which is going to adopt something in mid-June. So, 
Yeah, I think sequencing is important because as you noted before, Chair Kaplan, this is one of our few commissions that was created through a voter initiative um, where the voters said we want this committee to have oversight and to provide recommendations. So I think timing and sequencing here is going to be important because you want your May meeting to be when you get the budget presentation and you want your June meeting to be when you have time to submit recommendations to council. And what you're saying is at least twice in between there, the subcommittee is probably going to have to meet to go through all the details and bring something back to the commission for them to consider. So. I guess that's probably a question back to like the clerk, which is probably an impossible one, but like, does that seem doable? Because I feel like I'd love for these conversations to be a little bit more concrete so that we know what, exactly what we're asking staff to sign up for and we can have a clear set of expectations. Especially, I think you're in a very unique situation. I think most of the other subcommittees will be a lot different, but yeah. what do you think, Chair, our clerk? Um, so with, st with staffing and, and meetings, we could do special meetings, um, but it really depends on council chambers. Yeah. Uh, right, so it would probably be daytime meetings that we could accommodate, um, but like you, um, even budget and audit doesn't get to see this until the beginning of May, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then we do it in, in public. So I might recommend that if we need to, we'd call special meetings of the Measuring You Committee so that you could deliberate and take action at the same time. Um, okay. That might be an option. And like maybe working with the chair on that based on how the timeline works, because mm -hmm. it might just be that their May and June meetings just miss the wrong windows. And Right, and as P&P has discussed, I think this is something we need to look at at the 2024 calendar to schedule meetings, you know, so that we have three this month yeah. and we don't have some the month prior or the I, month after so we can accommodate that yeah. that puzzle of we're, meetings. We're in that, eh, you know, the first year of trying to figure out new rules and I think part of it as we look at what's the measure you annual work plan that, you know, included should be a calendar. So, because it makes sense, some committees may only need to meet five times a year. Some may need to meet five times in two months I think which you, uh, Measure You, really does. And it's, it's hard because I think um, Council Member Valenzuela, you, you really talked about it, the, it's the short amount of time. And how do we do that? Balancing staff, but also balancing giving the opportunity for the entire committee, Measure You, for everybody to have their voice, which is really important. But I also wanna make clear that um, the Brown Act does not prevent two people meeting and coming up with ideas to present them to the Measure U as long as it's on the agenda. So I think the most important thing is, is what's on the agenda and that maybe um, fellow commission members can ask before the agenda is published if they have something they wanna present that that is on the agenda because, you know, I can go off just like this and decide something and ask for it on the agenda. Yeah. Um, because then it creates that transparency and that process for all commission input um, in that regard. Well, it was an interesting thing because that's kind of what the ad hocs were is they were brown act bubbles that were publicly announced. And so I, I definitely, I guess then the option, my request would be to approve this request um, with direction to the clerk to work with the chair to potentially call special meetings or other meetings of the commission as may be required to meet the timelines of the budget and to report back to us in a so few months. I'm not inclined to do all three. I think I'm not sure because my question then goes back to, and I'll get to you, um, Sean's. Sean's, Sean's next, but I thought, weren't you up? Okay, um, I'm seeing things on my screen. Uh, like making sure when we do subcommittees, they're clearly defined. Is it within their scope? You know, um, that because sometimes, we, 
you know, I brought this up last meeting. We need to look at what is the scope and what are the parameters of every committee um, and commission that we have, and then it stays within that because a lot of it on the community communications, I mean, one of the major purposes is to work with city staff, you know, and if there are differences, how do we then look at the scope and define that so it is clear where Measure U comes in, where city staff comes in, you know, who's who's in charge, um, kind of like the who's on first. Now, um, if need to, we can do the trying of the budget and policy development because that is so quick. I'd be open to approving that, that one subcommittee because that is their major charge, mm -hmm. is coming back and giving us recommendations um, and seeing how that works because you can have on the agenda community communications every month as a standing item. Um, that can be on the agenda as well as, and then the thing with the participatory, participatory budget, that's coming to budget and audit in May. Um, it, council did approve a, a kind of a resolution, but it's a one-time thing that could be allocated again. It may not be allocated again. So I would, I, I don't wanna get ahead of, you know, where we are as a city on that, that maybe that's something that comes back for further discussion, but, but I think the only subcommittee that makes sense in the timing of things, um, and we'll see how it works, because I think that'll give feedback for the clerk to give us, would be just the creation of, of one subcommittee in regards to the budget, so that they can give feedback. But um, I think the rest of my motion, sorry, I wanted to give you time to respond. I was gonna finish um, the motion by asking the clerk to report back on implementation of the subcommittee structure so that we know if there's continual conflicts in staff capacity to accommodate schedules that we are obviously aware of that. Um, I would say to the chair's motion, point on the motion, it's, um, I mean, participatory budgeting, we, their request is to monitor the projects that get implemented, which feels consistent to me, but if you really wanna wait on that, that seems fine too. Um, and when it comes to the community, I mean, this is clearly, working on community engagement with city staff um, is clearly a part of their function. So I don't have any objection moving forward with all three, but if it's the chair's preference to only move forward with the budget item, since it's timely, I was hoping that we could give them some predictability since they do only meet once a month, but I'm happy to wait until the next PMPE meeting. I would like to know though when we might agendize these items because I think timeliness and response so that they can plan their year is really important on our end as well. So do you have sort of a time frame that you um, feel I would, would love best? for them to submit an annual work plan with calendar. Okay. Yeah, it really, um, I mean, that's what we've asked all boards and commissions is we need the annual work plan with their calendar because then that sets the stage um, because they are, they are on the board and they are on the commission. Um, they kind of know what we need. Um, I'm happy to amend my item to approve the budget and policy development subcommittee with the two directions around reporting back to us on any scheduling issues and um, obviously working with the chair. Special meetings need to be called between now and the budget so that they can do their work. Um, and I'll leave the rest for the next item discussion or a couple item discussion. Councilmember Lolloy. Thank you. Um, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Um, I guess my position is you know, considering we have this commission, if we can come come back with a certain agenda of when is the when is these meetings ne that need to take place? It sounds like May and June are the the, the hardest times, and then things kind of um, plateau and flat out. We have um, another require. We have the charge to provide recommendations on budget priorities. We also have a charge to give a look back 
um, at the uses of Measure U, and that that timing is determined by um, uh, getting the final budget. It, la it lags a couple years, which is unfortunate, but the timing is related to getting the final closed budget. Um, and that, the audit? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm thinking that happens midsummer. Um, I guess my, my, what I would like to that's know. That's a task too. Uh, what I would like to know is that it sounds like the committee is kind of waiting for the, the city staff to provide you with some information, like the audit. With respect to the budget recommendations, yes, and it's information that they don't have together yet and that they um, have committed to providing in May, which is right about the time that it becomes available to budget and audit, which is the first the first stop. And I, I understand that we should not be getting the budget proposal before the council does, um, notwithstanding that we have a role. Um, we, I, that's just, you know, that's just uh, protocol reality that is, is appropriate. So th that we, we can't and shouldn't change that timing. It's just the timing is what the timing is. Um, and we can't, we can't extend, you, you all do, will not want us to say, oh, extend, uh, don't adopt the budget until after our July meeting. That's just, that's not viable or appropriate. Um, so it's just, it, it's. I guess Sorry, my. I didn't, my I didn't <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking about the old days at the state level where oh, yeah, yeah. you stop the clock. Paid. And, we didn't get paid. Um, I guess. Talk, <laughs> I, guess, I guess my question is if we're waiting for your committee to receive that information, um, what role does the Budget and Policy Development Committee plays? Because it seems like they're going to be waiting as well. Well, that, that's a great, great question, and I think you've talked about two options, at least for this year, that would be interesting, um, especially since at last night's meeting, um, I was asked to pursue the idea of a special meeting after our May meeting. So, so do we do, I mean, and again, the direction of the committee is right now is support the subcommittees, but functionally and pragmatically, do we see if we can have a special meeting after the May meeting and before July, and then the full committee's there, and we're not creating the, the subcommittee structure that we have to all figure out while we're doing the work we're supposed to do. Um, I, that would be, I mean, that was a conversation that, that I was going to initiate with the, the clerk after last night's meeting. So um, I, I'm, I'm not sure I know the answer to your question. I, I guess that's where I need some assistance because if, if the committee is waiting for the budget to be available and it goes directly to the committee, then what would the subcommittee of budget and policy development do? Because they, it seems like they get the, they're going to get the information at the same time as the measure you committee. So it, it may be that like a special meeting is called, you know, or to a certain extent you're presented what the budget is after it's presented to council. Mm -hmm. um, what may happen is either the they could have a special meeting of the full committee or if we authorize the subcommittee, maybe five members, whatever's less you know, that a majority um, can meet and the subcommittee can do a deep dive and then at the next meeting present recommendations 
um, to the full committee, hey, we met, we did the deep dive, this is what we're recommending, what does the committee think, what's their feedback, and then go to council, or, you know, it's the, it becomes just a meeting, a special meeting, um, and then the council recommendation, or they keep their monthly meetings with the subcommittee in the middle that provides. You know, I'm open to giving them the option, like giving the chair the flexibility of working with, because there's going to be a special meeting. Like I am fully supportive of Measure U having, having a special meeting, whether it's a subcommittee or a full committee, I would love to give the flexibility to, to um, the chair and the clerk on what fits best, if, if that works. Councilmember Maple? Um, actually, it's one more. Is you that, go ahead. Are you doing, is that like a substitute motion? Or are you uh, well, no, because we, we are, the motion was just to create one, and so we can authorize the creation, and if they don't use it, they don't use it. If they use it, they use it. Okay, great. Well, I was just going to, I was just going to echo, you know, it sounds like we're, we're kind of on the same page here. Um, you know, some of the questions that I had originally were around, um, were around what, what specific types of work, what, what's actually needed, especially around the community um, communications and how that relates to our community engagement department. Um, and and I, I agree with Chair, Chair Kaplan in that I would really love to see um, that work plan and timeline together um, because I think it would help us understand the full scope of what the subcommittees are gonna do and what are used for. And so I feel comfortable um, supporting the motion that's on the table right now to do the one subcommittee so that you can continue to do that work and then it sounds like you'll do some work with, uh, with the clerk to make sure that whether it's a special meeting or a subcommittee or both uh, to ensure that you can get the work done. So um, I appreciate all the work you are doing and we're really looking forward to the recommendations that you put together. Thank you. And I really want to say thank you for bringing this forward because I think it allows us to further define the process of what we're creating. And so while it's a little rough, it really is appreciated because we do need to have these conversations. But I think it's getting us to where we know that that annual work plan with a calendar built in it is going to be really helpful. Um, and that's something we'll rely on each committee to present to us. So there is a motion on the floor. Are we all good? Yes. Oh, wait, public comment, sorry. I do have one public comment, and I do need a second. Um, I seconded. Thank you. Um, I do have one speaker online, Marbea Sala. Hi, Marbea. Hi, thank you. Um, and thank you for this opportunity. So I'm on Measure U representing District 3, and I'm here to really, I'm, I'm glad, I'm really happy and to hear that you're gonna support the establishment of the budget subcommittee. But I also wanna say that the communications and outreach subcommittee is an important one. We, last year we focused on several things and, it, and I was on that committee and it took a lot of um, meetings and energy to come up with a, a logo that would communicate to the, the um, public what our money was going to and that's the Measure U logo. And in addition to that, we work with the auditor's office to come up with questions very specific in the survey that they did about Measure U and how they wanted to spend uh, Measure U monies. But in that question, in one in there, we developed a question if, if they were interested in focus groups um, on how to spend the Measure U money. And we had over 500 individuals that said they wanted to be part of a focus groups. And our intent 
was this year was to establish a plan going forward and how we could engage the community and get feedback on how they thought Measure U monies should be spent. And it, it really cannot be done at a Measure U general meeting to come up with such a plan. There's a lot of details, a lot of things that we need to figure out. And we need that structure to be able to do a deep dive and come up with the plan that then we present to the measure use. So I really ask you at least to consider um, having those two approved as subcommittees for us to do the work that's necessary. And I would like to see PB be approved because it is an amazing project and I'm hoping that you get an opportunity to hear all the amazing things that have resulted in this process. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no more speakers. Okay, so we do have a motion on the table, and I think what Commissioner Sala brought up, um, that extra information would be valuable in the work plan. Because in reality, I think if um, we have commissions and boards that come forward to us and want things, we need a very detailed explanation of why and how it fits in their work plan, and I think we just, we don't have that right now. I am comfortable because the timing-wise with our, our current motion um, on the table, but open to getting more feedback of why things may be, additional things may be needed in the future. We good with that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. And I, I was first and second. All in favor? Aye. And somebody left their eyeglass case. Oh, no. Oh, thank, thanks for letting us know. We'll get it back to them. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, everyone. Because um, I know, um, this is a little clunky this year, but PP&E is doing a lot of new things. So thank you for um, indulging in, in, this, in this process as we figure things out. So on to item five, it's a process for developing and leading the annual performance metrics evaluations for our council appointed officers. So um, are you presenting, me presenting? So I would be happy to co-present. This is an item that the chair asked me to bring back to open up the floor for discussion on um, annual performance metrics. So the council rules of procedure state that BNPE committee will um, help establish those performance metrics and a process for performance evaluations for council direct reports. So that includes city manager, city attorney, city treasurer, the director of the Office of Public Safety Accountability, the city clerk, city auditor, and the executive director of the Sacramento Housing and Redevelopment Agency. So um, this is, for me, I think a core of what we do as, as a council is, you know, we have five charter officers that we have to hold um, accountable. And um, the fact that we don't necessarily have a, a standard written metrics, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a little freaked out by, no offense. <laughs> uh, you know, I am, I am so used to this as a former school board member that we just had a standard process and it made it very comprehensive and cohesive. And so I wanted to bring this forward um, so that we could start the process um, because, you know, for, and how do we create just like a standard work plan, a standard evaluation that takes into the unique factors of each charter officer, but that talks about their mission, their vision, um, what their core, you know, job description is, um, evaluations and performance metrics, so that we have a standard thing that we can look at. Do they meet expectations, exceed it? Do they need improvement? So that forms an objective basis 
to hold our charter officers accountable, but I think it's also incumbent upon us because it's a way that we, we hold the city accountable um, in that regard. So I would love to hear um, my thought, and I've already requested this of each of the charter officers, of there are standard evaluations with each job description out there. Um, I'd like them kind of, I'd like to hear what parameters we believe should be in the evaluations, but I think it's incumbent upon each charter officer to kind of develop and then come to PP&E and we can discuss, does this fit? Are there any other things that we see should be there so it creates a standard? But you know, who am I necessarily to write the city attorney or city clerk's you know, evaluation. Now I could Google and find standard ones <laughs> online, but you know, I'd like this because I think it's also team building. This is how we build trust in that in that back and forth. So to the extent that um, my fellow committee members have ideas and thoughts what should be evaluate in, in our annual evaluations, would love to hear that. Mr. Helen Swift. Thank you. I actually had this unique opportunity because this came up right before I met with a bunch of other local officials from other cities and the conversation came up of like, well, do you evaluate your charter officers? What do you do? And they were like, yes, we do. And then they all looked at me like I was crazy because we don't. Um, so I, um, I was looking at some of the templates and forms that they sent me and there's some really great precedent out there. And I think it would follow similar to how any of us would want to be treated as employees by our supervisors. Like they get a chance to outline their goals and objectives for the year. You have the standard stuff you do all the time, the new stuff that maybe is special that year, we get a chance to discuss and say, yes, that's your that's your goals and objectives for the year. And then whenever that time comes, if it's six months or a year or whenever that is, there would be, what I saw in Austin was pretty interesting because what they did is they gave each of the council members like a ranking sheet and it was outlining all of the goals and objectives that the staff person, the city manager in this case had identified and basically said on a case of one to five, how well do you think they met that goal? So it gives you like a numerical number that we could point back to. So each of the council members did that and then it was aggregated and then it gave them a chance to provide comments. And so. It took the individual out of it and it kind of aggregated it. I don't know who would catch that, if it would be the mayor, the chair of PMPE, how we would do that. But then it gives us a chance to come back to a public session or a closed session or however we do that to say, okay, here's where we think there's room for improvement and here's what you were doing really well. Um, and so it seems pretty standard and simple that way, but it seems to be the way most other cities do it where it's like, okay, we agree on your things and then you bring it back to us and we say, hey, one to five, how well did this person do that thing? And it gives us a way to be really specific and discreet and also so still give the global comments that we sometimes give about communication or about cool things you did that weren't on the list or what have you. But I feel pretty strongly that it should start with the charter officers being able to define what that list is, come to us to be able to say, well, we think you're missing something and then revert into that standard kind of annual process. Thank you. Yeah. And obviously to give the public a chance to chime in as well because they interact with people, but yeah. Absolutely. I don't know how this is gonna be. I guess that's a question and that's probably more <laughs> of like a negotiating thing of like how much of this is open session, PMPE versus closed session. And I don't know the level of comfort with that because obviously if we were talking like comments, you know, that would be, I don't know any other employer who so evaluates we, comments in public so about their our, employees. So yeah, that was no, like no, a little no. So yeah. comments are always in closed session, okay. but what the standard template is, that's open session. Because okay. you can find a bunch of standard evaluations not filled out. But everything, once it's filled out, is all, is all okay. confidential. Okay, so what I'd love then is maybe if the initial goals and objectives was a public discussion. Yes. And then after that, yeah, if we fill it out, but then they'd come back to us, obviously again, to say, okay, here's my goals and objectives for this next year. And then 
so there'd be an opportunity for the public to weigh in in that format without getting nitty-gritty okay i like that councilmember lolloy yeah I'm, I'm definitely on board with that i'd just like to add one more uh, concern that i And then three months into it, we'll direct them to go and do completely different things. And yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think that uh, from this list, they should also have the opportunity to say, I didn't accomplish this because the council asked me to do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, that's a great addition. I'm just going to chime in. Sorry, I totally had order. But like, I think what I meant to is like when they send these forms out, and I see there's a template here, there's a chance for them to say, here's how I think I did, and here's why. Be like, hey, before you fill out your one to five, how I do? Here's what happened. Or, oh, I had a staffing shortage in this department, or this crazy catastrophic system went down. And so, you know, it gives them a chance to qualify before we evaluate Our pandemic. them. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> pandemic might throw, throw a wrench into things. Keep in mind that we, we don't have a strong mayor provisions of some of these other cities. So, um, as I'm looking at this list, yes, I think we should give these individuals an opportunity to explain why they didn't reach their commitment and what happened. So I think that's very important to be added. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, well, first, I, I just want to start off by, I know we had a, a brief conversation beforehand, but um, I was really surprised that we didn't have something in place already to do this. Um, you know, and I've worked in, you know, in the corporate world and worked in, you know, various like executive positions and was able, like this was something that I had to go through. Um, so I think it's just a really good way for accountability too for on both sides you know for the the employer and those who are you know in, in an oversight position to be able to to be held accountable and to understand what's going on and those who are in these positions to also be able to you know set benchmarks and um, be really clear on what those objectives are um, I this is something that you had brought up not to like take, take your ideas from you but I um, you you said you talked about mission uh, mission and vision I think that's really important because when you're in a leadership position, like like being a charter officer, that's that's what you're that's what you are. You're a leader in that position. Um, it's really important that you have uh, a really clear mission of what you want to accomplish, a really clear vision for what you want to accomplish, um, and then you know being able to go into a little bit more detail about what those things are and how you're going to get there, um, and then we can measure that. And I I, I really appreciate Councilmember Lowy's comments because things happen and some of those things a lot of those things are usually us um, and so I think it's really really important to be able to be like hey you know like uh, you know I, I had this goal but then council member Maple made me go down this 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 trail for six months and so that's why that didn't happen um, and that way there's some some transparency and anyway I just think this is a really good thing and I think that um, you know maybe if we could make it as a part of the process for especially a lot of our um, officers and people in these positions have a lot of longevity which is amazing we love that you're here to serve our city for a long time um that we can kind of compile them together and take it in the aggregate as as the years goes on and i think it's a really good way for everyone to see how things have evolved and changed um in that role so those are my comments so um kind of to summarize it so i um worked really hard I, when i was a school board member um, when we got a new superintendent almost 12 years ago, our evaluation and what the California School Board Association had was really weak. I did searching and the Oregon School Board Association had something really comprehensive that I modified. But one of the things that I loved about it is what you talked about, Council Member Valenzuela, um, I would love to do the scoring of the one to five. Because what we would do is we would, and then we'd have a set of standards, you know, like there were eight standards. 
and then under each standard there should be evidence or what is the goal under that standard and then have the charter officer put in so no offense you know to our to our dear city clerk like let's say one of her her standards are dealing with the public and public record requests a goal might be 95% of the public record requests are handled in in the 10-day legal requirement and either she meets it or if she doesn't meet it she comes to us and say this is what I found and this is what I need to change. But I believe in each of the evaluations, there has to be like a standard objective, some way to measure it other than I'm going to be kind. You know, um, so, you know, there has to be that evidence. Um, the scoring is great because that's what we did on my school board is each of us would look at a standard, like give it a number and then we'd aggregate it. And that formed a basis of like weighing it amongst everybody. And then I found really helpful um, what you brought up, Councilmember Lolowi, is that at the beginning of the year, um, I handed out kind of like a draft of what the city clerk and I are looking at, what a standard evaluation might be. Is you come up with your top three to five goals. And then six months in, do a quick check-in. Are those goals still the goals today? Um, did the pandemic happen and they all went out the water and we got to change them? So it allows flexibility of where you plan for what your yearly goals are, but understanding there might be something that comes up. And it could be as quick as six months in, city clerk saying nothing's changed, but at least there's that check-in that allows us like the ability to have that conversation because sometimes having just an evaluation conversation brings up other ideas that we may need to address. Um, which I think is just really healthy and good creating that, that two-way process, but I would kind of like to create that standard. Um, and I know that you uh, put in that it's kind of uh, whether it goes on your annual hire date as to whether they come through. Um, <sighs> whether it's all, we get the annual work plan in January and then we do the six month and then December or do we say that, you know, uh, the negotiating time is in July? Like, I don't know what the right time is. So I would love to get feedback from our charter officers, honestly, because I don't know what the right time is. And does it make more sense to do negotiations after the budget, before the budget? Like, you know, how does it all fit? Do we do evaluations in March of every year on everybody? Because then it can be considered in the budget and then do a mid-year check-in like September. You know, do we want to create a standard timeline versus their appointment month? Maybe a September might be a good, my, good thought because you have elections coming in November. And if you have a new crew coming in and we, now we have it set for March, well, it's not fair to the new um, council members because they don't have any experience with the uh, charter officers. Well, you know, we do that for school board members too. <laughs> we do it to a lot of local electeds, you know, but it is, you know, something because it could be just as much as it comes up in January, you know, the yeah. first month on the job. Councilmember Maple. Sure. And I actually, I wanted to, I think it's a, a, a fair point, but also I, I want to echo your point about the budget um, because, you know, when we talk about evaluations, those are often tied to 
salaries and what we want to do with those as well. And those are you know decisions that we have to make. Um, and so I think it makes a lot of sense to do that in the context of, of the budget um, and just having a full understanding of the numbers before we make decisions like that. Um, I also wanted, I don't know if this is too much detail for this conversation, but one thing that kind of struck out to me as I look at this draft, recognizing this, this may not be what we use or not, but um, I would love to see something in addition to obviously, you know, evaluating performance and talking about objectives and, and goals and whether those were met, but also having um, something on here about um, help needed because it might be that, you know, uh, generic charter officer B, um, you know, we're in, we're in their uh, evaluation and they say, well, yeah, I didn't accomplish these goals, but that's because my workload increased, you know, three times in this year, you know, unexpectedly. And my, you know, what I need from you all in order to accomplish my goals is I need X, you know, I need a new staff member or I need, you know, X percent more in my budget or something in order for me to accomplish my goals. And just having a way to like, also hold us accountable and say, this is, a, this is the stuff I need to be successful. I think that's a brilliant recommendation because we can say we want you to bring us the moon and the stars, but you know, if we're not funding that, that's never going to happen. Um, Councilmember Valenzuela. Yeah, and I might email you, um, I'm looking at one of the evaluation forms from Austin, which is a strong city manager system. So just like the folks I was talking to actually is funny. At one point we divided up into strong mayor cities versus strong city manager cities so we could be talking apples to apples instead of, you know, apples to something totally different. So um, it was cool because like they said, you know, bucket one was individual characteristics. So it gets to some of these things like diligent, thorough and discharge, exercise good judgment, displays enthusiasm. And then in each of those, there's like a line to put like the one to five. So I imagine almost that it's like we asked the charter officers to do a self-evaluation right and say okay here's the list of things that we identified through your job description and through your own goals rank yourself tell us how you did there's a comment section at the end to say here's what happened and then we each get a chance to see that and do our own sort of assessment and then when we go in a closed session it's a chance for us to so I might actually just send you all this because it's a pretty cool little form and it probably is going to model what you saw at Natoma school district and yeah, I mean, because yeah. there is a standard. I mean, because I can tell you evidence. It was great when we had, like, the standards. Having the superintendent put specific examples of how the standard was met was huge in going through the evaluation because that was right in front of us of, like, oh, yeah, the standard was met because it's not like we have anything to do. And I know everybody remembers everything, but it is kind of nice to have refreshers in front of you while, while, we, while we, we look at things. And I think that helps create that mutual t trust of that conversation. So um, Madam Clerk, do you feel like you, you kind of, I know you'll go back and listen to us. <laughs> uh, I think you've got a few charter officers in the building, um, in the room that did hear that. And um, I believe we'll collaborate um, with the charter officers and direct reports. Of course, we have SHRA mm -hmm. executive director and the director of OPSA. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and so I will make sure I will take ownership of collaborating with that group and see what we can bring back to you. Perfect. Are there, oh, Councilmember Lulowi, any last comments? Thank you, Madam Chair. So I just want to make sure that we get a full description of the charter member's responsibilities. Yes. And then also, um, Councilmember Maple brought up a, a, an excellent like, um, uh, point, and that is, if things change and they're understaffed, I think if we can really commit to that six every six month evaluation, so right there we can, you know, if it's like a six month checkup. Checkup to see, hey, my workload has gone up by threefold, and I've lost half of my team. You know, we need. So I think that's to have that in there is somewhat important too. That we're in constant communication. Awesome. Do we have any members of the public who wish to? 
Uh, Chair, I have no members of the public to speak on this. Thank you. I think this has been a really enriching conversation um, and more to come. <laughs> Some of us policy people really like this. Um, discussion item number six is we are doing an update on the Sacramento Children's Fund Planning and Oversight Commission implementation. So I'll turn it over to our city clerk. Thank you. So this item is also mine. Um, as you know, the um, Sacramento Children's Fund Planning and Oversight um, Commission, so the voters passed a measure. Um, and so we, our charter now states that we need to seat this commission. Um, and really what I'm looking for you, from you is at the very back of your agenda is a draft implementation um, timeline. Um, right now we're really talking to PNPE. Um, I'm going to go to the Sacramento Youth Commission to get their input on the recruitment. Our goal is to um, seat this commission by August. These are all direct council member appointments. So each of you will have an appointment. Um, I'm anticipating that we'll use um, our social media channels. We'll provide um, some information for each of you to include in your newsletters so that we can outreach um, to the community. Um, I do wanna make sure that we make it clear to potential commissioners what their scope is, what their role is. Um, we talked earlier about one commission Maybe they meet more frequently at the beginning. Um, so for in this example, they have a five-year um, plan to adopt. And so the first couple of months, they're going to have a big lift. Um, but after that, they may need to only um, review that five-year plan and then um, review and accept audits. So depending on what the scope is, I want to make it clear to commissioners or potential commissioners before they apply. Um, also, we probably need a city attorney opinion as we work through what this commission looks like. So um, if this commission's role is to... Um, recommend um, funding certain agencies um, should the people that are applying for this commission not be you know on the board of directors for that agency um, that's a question we probably need to work through I know um, in the draft implementation timeline and that's very draft um, it talks about going to different committees to really talk through those things and then the city manager intends on bringing this to council um, I think in May um, and then we'll open up our recruitment in May and June once we've um, presented to the full commission or for the full city council. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, I would love to hear, because really this is about us creating the commission, so um, thoughts on how we might want to define what the job description is, ideas on recruitment, um, and then I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit, Madam Clerk. Um, I think you had a great idea of what an ideal candidate statement you know might look like because this is new like that might help define the the scope but would love to hear everybody's thoughts and feedback on this councilmember michael thank you chair um i'm just going to throw out some general ideas um and then yeah really interested to hear from my colleagues as well i really appreciated um the comments that you made madam clerk um especially around this is something that I'm, I, I've been thinking a lot about in this process is one, I'm, I'm very excited about this fund. I think it's a great, it's gonna be a great thing for our city, um, but it also gives us a great level of responsibility to ensure that it's done well um, and that it's done transparently and that we're doing it in a way that is really protecting the people's dollars, tax dollars. Um, and so bringing up the conflict of interest component um, or trying to figure out a way, how do we ensure that those people who are a part of this commission are you know, giving, giving their feedback, 
helping the process along, but maybe not going to be partaking in receiving the funds at the end. Uh, I think personally that gives me great pause to think about someone who's serving on this commission and then and then turning around and applying for money or being a part of an org like on the board of an organization that's applying for funding or even maybe being a staff member for an organization that's applying for funding. So I would want me personally would very want to be want to be very conscious about that. I'm also really interested in and I don't know how we would do this, but those, you know, there are people and you know, not just people who are part of organizations, but people in general that were part of the drafting of this um, measure that, you know, create like helped create the language and help do all that and, and whether or not they would be a part of organizations that are applying for funding. So I just I think from a broad perspective, I'd love to hear from my colleagues, but like how do we draft this in a way um, where we're making sure that those who are potential candidates for either the money or for serving on this commission are people who, um, you know, maybe weren't like a, a directly involved and stand to see a benefit from it. So th that's some of my initial thoughts. And then um, something that we had talked about a little earlier too is around um, this word around qualified organizations and like what, it, like that's a word that I would love to see defined a little bit more um, in terms of recipients. So those are just some of my initial comments and um, interested to hear from my colleagues. Absolutely. Councilwoman Valenzuela. Thank you. This is a big and exciting endeavor. So it's both stressful and exciting all at the same time. Um, I do think I actually had to reread the ordinance language because I was trying to remember the level of detail. There is quite a bit of detail in here about commissioner eligibility, you know, what prior experience they need to have, you know, how many, et cetera. And so I do want to make sure we don't reinvent the wheel too much because I think the voters very clearly said these are the folks. I appreciate the point about conflict of interest. I mean, eventually it still has to go through the council for approval. And so there's a little bit of a buffer, but, and I don't know if we do that for other commissions, but I do agree that that's something we should try to figure out because like, like if I'm just a staff person at an organization versus like a board, I don't know. And especially if it's a huge organization, we might also be precluding a lot of these young people end up working for the organizations and doing different jobs. And so how do we draw that line is, is tough. You know, do they just recuse themselves for that vote? I don't know. But I agree that's something that we're going to have to to work through. I will say that it's helpful to see the full timeline in context because it is a stressful, because we need this to not just be approved by the next budget cycle, but to be approved before the budget is prepared by the city management team, right? Because ideally, this is something that needs to be included in, in that document. Um, and so I want to make sure that we give them It doesn't them come into play until 2024. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. So like, I sorry, I, I was thinking 2024. So it's like, I know it's like we're thinking, okay, it needs to be approved by June 2024, but no, it needs to be approved by February 2024, because if that's not, then how does the city manager include this in his budget when he's bringing us something to vote on? And so I can appreciate why, because at first I looked at this and I was like, oh my gosh, three months is not enough time. I want to note, like, I have a question about staffing for this group, um, which it might be a little premature, but one of the things this ordinance did that I think is important is it allows up to 20%. The only reason we can spend money in the first year is for administrative costs, um, up to 20% of what would be the 40% BOT from cannabis. And so I do want us to think a lot, and I'm curious, and this might not be an appropriate question for you, Mindy, and so I'm putting it out into the universe because I know a staff update to council is coming. Like, what is our staffing plan, and, and can we use some of this 20% to hire somebody with expertise to help us so that the commission, the minute they're seated in August, has somebody there who has experience in youth planning at this level and can immediately dive in with them because that's only a couple meetings. So you got to remember, I mean, we know December's a holiday, right? And like November has holidays. And so we don't want people to end up in a bind where they have to do 80 different outreach meetings if someone can start as soon as possible. If we can have that consultant on board, that would be a dream because then they'd be able to 
run run with that. Um, and I know that'll come to council for Yeah, that would be great. I don't know, Clerk, Madam Clerk, if you want to give any input on that. But that's my thing is I'm just like, okay, I appreciate now like seeing both sides of the equation of how long does it take for us to see a commission versus how much time we need for the budget cycle in 2024 and that that three months just might be the window that we have, which is like, oh, um, for a five-year plan, the first of its kind. But I think that this gives us a way to bring on some help. And so the staffing in general from the city side, but also obviously can we bring somebody on before maybe that's part of the council item and when we get our updates so we can just vote on that and get that position at least out the door. This is, this is really us authorizing the creation of the commission. Mm -hmm. All those other pesky details get to be handled at council or um, if a policy comes oh, out. Oh, okay. Yeah, edge. I thought this was a broader item yeah. then. So um, I, yeah, I read this as a broader item. So I guess that's then just a question for when it comes back to council um, so that we can... Yeah. We can talk about that because um, staffing the commission obviously comes up here quite a bit as well. And, and chair, if I may, um, that did come up in conversation. So I can't speak for the city manager's office, but I did in our internal working group ask if I have a commission for you in August, will you have stuff for them to do? And then they said, yes, we'll be ready for them. Okay. Okay, good. So they'll have staff ready for them. Okay. That was what I was told. Okay. <laughs> well, then, then I will just put this out into the ether then for the city management team who I hope is watching this. Um, that, um, you know, I think it's really important. Obviously, up to 20%. It doesn't say spend 20% of the revenue. Obviously, if more rolls over, all the more to spend on the young people. But um, I do think that hiring somebody and maybe consulting with the sponsors of the, of the ordinance and some of the work that they've done to make sure we have technical support on hand. Because I think it's just Lindy right now in terms of, like, the city manager's office team, and she's amazing. But I don't want her to do this by herself. So putting that out there. Councilmember Lolloy. Thank you. Um, so again, I, I didn't know we we're talking in a broad sense. So I wanted to just. This is really about the commission implementation. So Recruitment I'll just and check, uh, three comments and then you tell me if it fits or I need to hold on to Out it. Out of order? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so one, I think. We have, this particular commission has to be extremely transparent. Um, I, I believe that um, any individual that was involved in drafting this measure, um, if they apply for anything through any of their organization, it's a major conflict of interest. So I want to make sure we're aware of this. Um, I think the individuals that are part of this commission um, they are going to be representing their district, and odds are that they're going to be part of an organization. That's why they're involved. And I don't want them, I don't want to tell them you're not allowed to, you know, support your organization, but they should be able to put it on the table, but recuse themselves from voting. Because at, at the end of the day, it's going to come to the council to vote on this. And then as far as a, a consultant, uh, I completely agree with Councilmember Valenzuela, I think a consultant is needed. It has to be a third party, not affiliated to um, anything within our um, environment. And just maybe for the first, you know, three months where the consultant is uh, make sure that they're translating the guidelines so that the, the commission can understand it. I don't think we need a consultant for the entire year or, you know, subsequent year. But just to make sure everybody understands what their, you know, uh, requirements are. And that's what I wanted to just kind of make sure we bring up. Because the, the transparency <laughs> and conflict of interest is going to be very important for me on this. Thank you. Mr. Pimple. Thank you, Chair. Um, and I just wanted to uh, go to the, 
the topic at hand instead of my general comments. Um, uh, thank you for indulging me in my, my broader comments. But um, so I basically see three things here as I look into the Children's Fund that kind of define, um, you know, what those qualifications are for commissioners. So one really general one that just says the commission should re should reflect the demographic profile of the city's youth. So that's like the general. And then two kind of more specific ones that um, each commissioner must have personal experience as a consumer, pastor, president of youth services. So um, that's something I think that I, I might be a little bit more interested in figuring out like the details of like, does that mean um, youth services in Sacramento? Does that mean youth services in general, but it's, you know, like government run youth programs or is it any nonprofit youth program? Or is it, you know, I was in a little league as a kid, like just trying to figure out what kind of that means. Um, and maybe we, that's something that we can, we can think about. Um, and then the, the third thing is demonstrated knowledge or professional experience in youth development theory, program implementation or program evaluation. And that's going to be um, interesting because it, it says that they must have both these things uh, in order to, to be on the commission. So that's, that might make it even more challenging in terms of getting, um, getting people who are qualified. Um, and I just want to uplift, I know there was an e-commenter, Monica, uh, who you know just really said that it's going to be important that the, the youth voice is also on this commission. I thought that was a really salient point because um, obviously this is for the youth. This is about the youth. This is money for them. And so, um, you know, I know that we are checking in with our youth commission and I think that's really important, but to the extent that we can ensure that we're, you know, making sure that youth are also on this commission is going to be important. So. Uh, just, just, yeah, just a quick clarification. Um, it actually is an or. So either their personal experience as a consumer, past or present of youth services, or demonstrated knowledge and professional experience oh. in youth development. So, so that's a little bit broader. Thank you. Helpful. You know, that darn or. And or, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I really appreciate it because I think it's important. I want to echo that we need to have a very clear, and I'd like to be a very conservative um, conflict of interest, probably a little bit more stringent. Um, than we may have for others just because this was approved by the voters. It is our taxpayer dollars, um, and that accountability really matters. Um, I would love to see as this goes through the process, because it's not for us to figure out, but like who gets the money, um, like you brought out, who's a qualified organization? Like how is that, that specifically defined? Um, I am supportive that um, whoever crafted this should not benefit by this, if that is allowed. Um, and that, um, uh, that we, we clearly define when we, we set this up that it is set up um, with defining the scope and that one of the first things that this commission does when they're seated is create their annual work plan because I know they have to do their five-year plan. But within that, I like it, they should have one of the very first things that when the commission does is create that annual work plan that comes back to us. Um, I don't want to necessarily limit if we have to hire a consultant because creating a five-year plan, um, we need somebody with experience and that does take a little bit of time. But um, if we're to create a standard when we do a commission, having somebody walk through and create what, what the standard uh, work plan should look like that clearly defines their scope so that they know what it is they're doing and then it starts setting forth what their calendar is, um, I think is, is really important. So, um, Madam Clerk, um, oh, 
Uh, Sorry, I just said one last comment because I um, just thought of it. Because our planning commission is also a quasi-judicial body. They approve projects. I would love to see if we could maybe model conflict of interest um, after what we do for our planning commission um, because I assume there'd be a similar expectation since they're approving projects that we wouldn't want them to be benefiting from those approvals. So if we can maybe, rather than reinvent a different standard, just yeah. kind of copy-paste over to whatever the planning commission has, that would be great. Thank you for that. Um, and we have public comments. Uh, yes, Chair, I have two speakers, um, Anna um, Tuokolo and then Monica Royal as mayors. Anna? Hello, good afternoon, members of the Personnel and Public Employees Committee. My name is Anna Taukolo, she, her, her pronouns. I'm also the Director of Youth Programs with the nonprofit AES, Alliance for Education Solutions. We're also a proud partner of the SAC Kids First Coalition. Nothing About Us Without Us is the Youth Development Plan title, which a group of our Sacramento Youth Alliance members created at one of our youth town halls in the past, which also brings me to the reasons why I'm calling in to make a public comment regarding the implementation process of this Children's Fund measure. Um, we're asking and we're sincerely thankful for the attentiveness with the city clerk and staff, which have already begun this process. Our SAC Kids First Coalition would also like to request that the following point be taken into consideration by this committee as this process continues. The point being that this committee remembers that equity must be embedded in every part of the implementation process, including the Planning and Oversight Commission, meaning that folks with lived experiences, folks who serve young people directly, and folks that have directly been impacted by poverty, violence, and trauma in this city should definitely be considered to be on this commission. Let us not continue to always remember that the Children's Fund lifted up specific priority areas, including and not limited to preventing and reducing youth homelessness, youth substance abuse, and youth violence, as well as supporting children zero to five. Our SAC Kids First Coalition definitely looks forward to meeting with our council members in the near future to discuss the Oversight Commission and following this process in more detail because as mentioned in the beginning of my comment, nothing about us without us. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Monica Ruelas Mares. Hello, thank you so much. Um, good afternoon, council members and uh, members of the Personnel and Public Employees Committee. Um, I just want to thank Councilmember Katie Maple for uplifting my e-comments. Uh, I'm not going to reiterate them verbatim, but I did just want to speak on behalf of the SACS First Coalition um, and uh, as well as my organization, Youth Forward, because we were a part of uh, getting this measure to pass and we very sincerely appreciate um, that the city clerk and staff and city staff have begun this process. Um, I had the chance to look at the timeline and I like that it's a very aggressive timeline and that things are, are moving. Um, but I did, uh, as Anna just mentioned, wanna bring up a couple of points that I, we would like uh, this committee to consider as y'all are continuing this process on developing the parameters for the Planning and Oversight Commission. So one of the things I wanted to bring up is that uh, in the measure itself, we did outline that this Planning and Oversight Commission should work in collaboration with the Sacramento Youth Commission. And I'm hoping that this group can clearly outline a process through which that would happen. Um, 
That being said, uh, that goes with my second point, which is that this committee uh, also uplifts the need for youth seats on the Planning and Oversight Commission. Uh, youth voice should be a part of every step of the process. I know that working with the Sacramento Youth Commission will hopefully have those young people's voices embedded into that process, but having youth members on this commission would actually ensure this as well. So I'm hoping that Anna and my comments definitely get considered in this process. And as Anna mentioned, we're looking forward to working with the council members to discuss um, and to follow this process. Thank you so much for listening. Chair, I have no more speakers. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, one of the things that I think um, clearly as we work, uh, move forward with this and the commission is seated, um, what I'd like to see in their annual work plan, because it is defined how do you work with the youth commission, that should be in the annual um, plan in the calendar of how they plan on working with that because that is how it's set forth um, and what I hope that we can get you know from from them when they when we see their annual work plan is how they plan on working in collaboration with with the Youth Commission so is do I have a motion to create the Commission receive and file yeah. Well, but we sure we should vote on it anyways. Valenzuela and Maple, we agree that the commission should be created. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. All right. The next fun discussion that I thought we should dive into um, that I've been talking about, but this is you will see, it's discussing our board commission and committee annual report template. Um, I found a really great template. It was actually within the city of um, Dallas and modeled one. So what we have in here in front of you is kind of like what a draft sample ethics commission would because I think uniformity is really important. We've discussed how do we give our boards and commissions a voice, um, but also how do we share like the good stuff that they do um, since we just don't, you, you can hodgepodge and you might be able to find it, but I think this is another way for public transparency and moving things forward. So um, I, I liked it where we got to see who the commissioners were, who the staff was, who the contact is, and then talking about what the purpose and the power and the duties of the commission to clearly state it so the public understands that and then go through kind of like what their highlights and accomplishments are. And then this kind of falls into what's their work plan. But also I thought what was really important is to give staff the ability. How much staff time was spent on this? You know, if a commission comes up with 200 recommendations, why were only 20 implemented? You know, so that we really look at it because I think it'll help us as a city council where where is staff spending time? Where should the priorities be? But um, would love feedback on what your thought is about this this sample. Um, and is there anything else you guys would like to see? Councilwoman Valenzuela. I have all sorts of thoughts today, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I want to make sure that the commissions get a chance to give input on all of this as well. Um, you know, sometimes I hear from, I actually meet with my appointees on the commissions monthly just to stay in the loop with them on what they're working on and give them a chance to hear what we're working on. And um, I just want to make sure, because sometimes things are coming to us and they aren't aware and they're like, oh gosh, we would have loved to weigh in on that. So I guess as long as we do a little bit of give them some opportunity to give input. This sample looked great to me, but I'm also not on a commission right now, so it might need to change based on their input. Um, 
Yeah, and then I noticed that there still isn't anything in the staff report about um, timeline for response and when this would come to us after it's submitted. And so I just want to make sure we write that down somewhere because I think it's just that we give them an expectation. Is it within 30 days? Is it within 60 days? Like, what do we feel is reasonable so that they have some sort of benchmark for when they send something to us, this is when it's going to come to the committee because they want the council to be able to see it. Um, and then communications outside of this, we've already talked about that, but obviously in general, if they had something, like just like we talked about with our charter officers, if something comes up and they're like, like we need to, we want to weigh in on this because we weren't sure this was coming, they have a chance and similar expectations that they submit it to us and if we feel we should, then we'll send it on to the council. So um, those are my thoughts for now. I have some more stuff off agenda and that's it. Any other comments, questions? All right, well, I love uh, your input. I think uh, expectation on on timeline and and just even so much as um, Madam Clerk, as if we can email this template out, even we could just make up a name and not even call it the Sacramento Ethics Commission, Sacramento A B C D E F G, you know A through Z Commission, you know. But this is a sample work plan. If there is any feedback. Um, you know, that it can be given the opportunity to have a voice and realize that this is just a standard, you know, but I would like to create something that each board and commission knows, like, these are the things and this is how we fill it in, but just a good summary because then it provides good report of accountability and that then these get posted maybe within our boards and commissions in the link within our website so that people can see the annual, the annual plans. So, but if there are no further comments, suggestions, um, anybody else, public comment? I have no hands raised to make public comment. Are there any public comments on items not on the agenda? I have no hands raised for that either. All right, but I do have Councilwoman Valenzuela <laughs> on you. items not on the agenda. Well, it's funny because we've talked about it multiple times, but it kept not feeling like it fit within an agenda item. So I'm like, I'll just wait till the end. Um, I'm curious about the timeline for when we will expect other work plans to come forward for the other commissions. I know I talked to the clerk because my District 4 appointee is chair of the Active Transportation Commission, and she was saying, gosh, this feels like it would be really useful for us for the same reasons you named expectations on timing and meetings and when they're going to need stuff from staff and I just want to make sure that we have some sources we just did the police commission's work plan in our last meeting and I felt like that went really well like when we think the other commissions will come forward obviously because then that's the foundation for things like this annual report um, yeah so that's my, that my question and I can tell you I am in discussions with the clerk on that and like how fast we can do it we will try and bring them up but because it's not an item published on the agenda I will let you have a side conversation with the clerk are there any other questions or items not on the agenda? Seeing and hearing none, I will call this meeting adjourned at 4.30.